Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift, Wanderers of Melisanda, and Paradise Hills. And I'm Keith Foster, the writer of Animals, Kadoja, and Three Protectors. Sweet, man. Well, down here in San Diego, it is a sweltering hot day, so a beer is necessary. Mm. Um, what's the weather like up where you're at? It, it's It's hot. It's hot. I mean, it's it's we're officially into the part of the summer. So, I mean, it's hot by L.A. standards, I guess. But, you know, like 95, something like that. But it's it's a yeah, it's that's a, pretty hot. Yeah. But it's a dry 95, you know, like. Okay. And, and part of it, too, is it's all about frame of reference because I'm still in Arizona mode. So 95 is 15 oh. degrees cooler than where I was a week ago. So, yeah, that uh, makes sense. So yeah, it, it still feels okay. You know, like it, I've just, over time, I've learned that basically anything 96 and under here in my area, considering how dry it is, it's pretty comfortable. So, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't want to say With all outside. that said, what, what type of beer would you have for the weather that you're in? And in, in sort of fitting, I have a beer that is fitting for Arizona weather because that's where I got it. So, uh, so I'm, I'm eager to give this a try. This was all over the um, Total Wine that I went to when I was doing some beer shopping. And this is Sonoran Brew Company White Chocolate Ale. Ooh. Yeah. That sounds interesting. Yeah, right? So um, they really doesn't say much of anything. It's just a white chocolate ale. That's it. And it's... It's not bad. It's only a twelve ounce can, and it's four point seven percent. So okay, there's nice a good chance there's a good chance that I'll top this off with some whiskey as things get going. But we'll see how it goes. Well, I am drinking El Chango. It is a oh, Mexican yeah. American style lager. Um, I got this at Comic Book Hideout. That's Keith's local comic shop that we had that uh, uh, pop up event in. It is a, Amer- a Mexican American style lager, uh, Hecho and Fullerton. And yeah. let's see. This is since it's a logger, yeah, I that's, that's this from is somewhere in the fours. Yeah, Ed, that's uh, five point three. That is from bootleggers, which is um, I mean, if you've got a good arm, you could probably walk out of comic book hideout shop and fire that fire a baseball over one block and hit this thing. If you've got a okay. major league baseball arm, you're probably a long baseball throwaway. That's how close it is to comic book hideout. Yeah, Funky went and grabbed that um, during during the show. You know, mm-hmm. it was like there was there was a few workers there, so he was able to step out a second and grab some beers for us. So that was really cool of him. Hell yeah! And and uh, yeah, man. So this is a, a five point three, and it is a sixteen ouncer. So it's nice and easy. But um, I bring up the weather because in San Diego, and I'm sure in LA is just the same. A nice lager is very appropriate. Yes. Just just for that heat, it's just nice and easy. Nothing too complicated. You don't want an IPA for this type of weather. This is perfect for completely, this, so. completely. And in fact, the beer I was debating between this and and another beer, which I'm just going to down on another podcast. For me, the the decision was: Do I want to go hard in the paint with a beer, or just go with a light drinking beer and then maybe top it off with some bourbon? So I'm choosing the second one, and, and I may not even have the bourbon. We'll see. So, but yeah, for now, hey. good easy drinking. Like you said, it's hot outside, dude. I got to say, on first sip, I really like this. Okay. So there was a, there's a particular bite at the beginning of mm-hmm. certain lagers, most lagers, to be honest with you. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, that's a little sharp in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the more you have it, it kind of just goes away. Yeah. This almost has a hazy, nice, smooth finish, like, okay. on the first sip. So okay. 
I'm digging this. Did you, you got one of these as well, right? We both got one. I did. Yeah. Yeah. It's in my, have fridge. you, have you busted this? Okay. You haven't Not had yet. it yet. Not yet. Yeah, man. So, so far so good. We'll see. I'll let you know by the end of the can. Yeah. Um, uh, my first sip report was quite good on this Sonoran white chocolate ale too. So we'll see what happens once I down all 12. Hell yeah. And if it's at total wine and, and you dig it, maybe I'll stop by. Cause there's one close by where I'm at. So I don't know. It was a total wine in, in Phoenix. I don't know if that means oh, it's at ours. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. I, I grabbed this as part of a total wine run for a beer that I loved the hell out of while I was there, which I might just, you know, like I'm going to shut up and I'm going to save it for a future podcast. Cause I want to talk about it a little bit then, as opposed to talking about it just now. Right on, man. All right. Well, I'm going to sip on this beer and why don't you tell me about the first thing you did this week? Yeah, yeah, I will do that. Uh, the first thing I did was to finish my time travel comic. So that was as of a, um, a day or two ago. And so I'm happy to say that uh, when we left off, I was 18 pages into the comic and I had one scene left. And the idea was I got to think through things a little bit more just so I don't I don't get myself in big trouble by committing to a plot mechanism that that I that I might want to change later. You know, there is some degree of concrete pouring that I have to do at the end of this first issue. So I wanted to make sure that I'm doing it right. So uh, so what I did was I had I had thought my way through it. I think I finished that moment or that that action uh, a day or two after we stopped recording took my time went through uh the final scene to this issue wrote it and now the issue is good so i'm going to give it a quick proofread and then probably send it off to mike my only question is do i go ahead and send mike a second comic to read when uh i'm still waiting to get back my notes on animals too or do I go ahead and just dump him into his inbox and let him deal with it? I'll probably just read it one more time and then just throw it over the fence to him and see what happens. Yeah, I think that's the move. Um, I think the more stuff that gets stacked on his plate there, I mean, at least this is how I would react. There's going to be more of a sense of urgency. Yeah, It's like, oh, this stuff's starting to pile up. I better start getting to this stuff. Totally. Totally. So no, I, and I, and I like that. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, when I get the script back from Animals, I still have a little bit of artist work to do to get someone to work on it, right? Um, I, I have a great idea who it's going to be, but I have to have that conversation. For uh, for this one, for the time travel comic, my artist is already settled. It's Carlo Romero, like we talked about before. So that one will be able to jump like jump the assembly line and basically go right into production, which will be fun. And um, so, yeah, it, it, it was great. It was great to think my way through the problem as as writers do it was great to just finish the issue and uh, and be done with it and breathe that that sigh that at least you get from having a really good first draft done i am thrilled at how fast this thing went from inception to written comic this is by far the fastest I have ever gone from, hey, I have an idea to an actual first issue. I mean, we're talking two months. That's what it feels like. It might even be a little less because I just I think it's less than that. Yeah. I mean, I I, I could go back and almost date it by the podcasting, right? Because we recorded, I think, a day or two. It must have been a day or two after I had the initial idea and I talked about it on that episode. So it was a didn't we talk about it when we were in Phoenix with Gary? Maybe. I believe we did. Yeah, I believe we did. So, I mean, yeah, we yeah. talked about it in person. So whenever Phoenix Fan Fusion was. Oh, you're um, right. Yeah, because we talked about it a ton on the drive there, too. 
mm-hmm. right? Because that's when I had that enthusiasm for like, I got this idea, blah, 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 blah. And then we went from there, right? So yeah, man, less than two months. It's crazy, crazy. So no, I'm thrilled. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this book. Again, I, I have a lot of first comic excitement to this thing. And, uh, and it's cool to see. Hell yeah, dude. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, 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 you know, much like the Slack method, it's like you, you draw, you write where the heat is. And so that's where the heat is. And, and that'll get you moving. It'll keep you yeah. moving if this is something you're actually excited about. So, yeah, well totally. Done. Totally. Uh, hey, how much, how many things do you have? I have a second one and it's really more connected to this than anything. Okay. So, yeah. so I have, I have a bunch of stuff. So, um, to let you guys are behind the curtain a little bit where we didn't do a full week here in between episodes. So we're about four days from last time we recorded. Um, I we so I, yeah. yeah, so I have four panels of paradise Hills done. Yeah. So yeah. So that, that mojo that I had going on in the last episode, it's still here. Um, I've been burning through these things and, um, you talked about jumping the assembly line while I'm still drawing this, I've already sent pages over to my flatter and I got something in my inbox today. So he's finished at least one of the pages. So usually what I do is I finish drawing everything. And then while I'm, I send, I send the pages I don't want to send, or I don't want to flat myself. I send those to my flatter and then I flat pages. So me and him are both flatting at the same time. And then Mm -hmm. I shuffle those over to Joaquin um, I'm doing this a little bit out of order or jump, jumping the assembly line. It's like, well, I'm still drawing this, but hey, these pages are just sitting here. Why don't I send them to the flatter now? Mm-hmm. So the more stuff that gets done ahead of time, the better. So yeah. even if I'm still drawing the last couple of pages, if I can get the beginning part of the book or kind of send the thumbnails over to Joaquin go, hey, this is the flow of the story and here are some of the completed pages. So if you can jump on these, I know they're out of order, but at least with these thumbnails, you can see where the story's going. And so kind of like what the mood of this scene should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that way it's just like, we can get shit moving as fast as possible because, you know, if you go back to the beginning of this year, we both had a layout of what we were doing this year. You mm-hmm. know, like we had a schedule that we, we put out there. I am far behind. I am so behind in my schedule just because Paradise Hills is probably the most involved story that I've ever done. So it and, you know, and then you have that, um, you, you know, I have that artist block during the Kickstarter and mm-hmm. after. And so it kind of slows everything down. So it's just kind of a double whammy of things that can slow the process down. Yeah. I, I think that's a really interesting thing you say in connecting back to those goals we set, right? Because I don't have my goal sheet here. Um, it's gotta be here somewhere, but I just don't know where the hell it is at the moment. But off, off the dome, when I think of comparing myself to the goals I set, I, I believe that in terms of the volume of work I have done, I am at my goals. But this is where setting goals gets weird, right? Because according to, you know, my goal, I should have been done with, you know, Kadoja number four right now. But I had this little idea for a comic involving time travel. And so I did that. So I'm still making comics. I'm still writing comics. And I think I'm doing it at a really nice clip. You know, just this year... I've written at least four issues of comics. I've written at least Kadoja number three, Three Protectors number two, Animals number two, and now the time travel comic number one. That's a that's a great output in terms of just my writing, in addition to, you know, having a novel. Yeah, because I think the problem is that when I first did the schedule, 
it had the previous novel in it. The one that I had actually put on the shelf after 75 pages. So the nice thing is when I look at the galactic level of work that I'm doing, it's good. And if anything, sometimes, you know, I view it as a testament to how I am writing where the heat is. I'm going where I want to go. I'm following my muse. And then I'm, I'm putting work into that craftsmanship into that. Like, like, you know, not not the creative stuff, the, the blacksmithing part of work. Right. That's just that's just muscle and grit. So. Um, so anyway, so, I mean, you know, it, it's all relative, right? Like you you yeah, set the totally. goals and you give yourself the ability to be flexible with those goals, depending on what happens. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think I'm picking up speed again and just kind of like looking at what I'm doing and where can I cut corners? How can I speed up the process? Okay, this is part of it. You know, send my stuff to the flatter straight away. As soon as I finish a page, send it to him. Like, he doesn't really need to know the mood, you know, Mm -hmm. because he's just laying flats out. And my colorist is the one that needs to know that. And he can change all of the colors to what the scene needs. So, yeah, yeah, this is just a nice quick way to do it. And uh, yeah, those are out in the world. And uh, these these panels are getting drawn, man. Like I'm feeling the flow. I feel like uh, Happy Gilmore, you know, feeling the flow, working it, working it. (laughs) Random thing. Every time I'm at a golf driving range, some motherfucker tries to hit it like Happy Gilmore. It never fails. <laughs> the it run never... up. Yeah, yeah, they try the, the like run two up. step swing. They yeah. try they try the run up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I've been going to the driving range a lot just working on my golf game. So yeah, it's just somebody is always like, I'm gonna do the Happy Gilmore. And then they try it and then they totally suck at it, you know, because it's <laughs> it's it's very hard. Um, but anyway, so, it's hard enough for me to swing just regular. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm working on my game to swing it as a actual golf swing. I don't want to dick around with that stuff. So. Um, all right. So I, I as you were talking, I did realize I have a few things that I can mention that aren't necessarily like the work I did, but they do tie in and, and they'll help kind of round it out. Right. So to, to sw- I'm going to bounce over a few comics here. But uh, the the second thing that happened this week is, and I do think, I, I'm not sure if this is like loosely or roughly a week old, but I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast, which is I did get the final pages to the first five pages of Three Protectors back. So oh, hell yeah. Three Protectors yeah, Volume right. 2, I got the first five pages by the uh, manga artist. Again, just as a, a recap, I already have some completed pages by Mark Nosler that are going to serve as kind of like the middle of the issue. And now I've got a manga artist doing um, some story before and after. So I was happy to get those back. They came out as good as I hoped. Um, I did share those with uh, with a, a couple pages with you and Gary, a couple pages with Mike and Kevin of Invader. And yeah, man, it was it was smiles all around. You know, they look good. I think you did a, a post on, on social media as well, right? I did. Yeah, that's right. I, I have that on social media on Keith uh, underscore invader so all you got to look do is look for the the nice black and white manga art it'll be you know more than a week old by the time this airs but uh, it's still there and uh, so anyway I was happy to get those back and I'm you know I'm I'm a day or two away from you know proceeding with the next five pages in three protectors because the money's there and I can keep on moving here with the manga artist he's ready and uh, and we can just keep going from here Sweet, man. Yeah, I, I think the pages that he sent, or that you sent to us, at least, um, it has a nice, like, there's a mixture of American art and manga art to it. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel overly manga-esque. I think yes. you sent over pages before that were, like, examples of his work. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I like his style. It's cool. It's dope. You know, it's, yeah. it's manga. And then this one, it was just like, oh, okay, this is, it's like a combination. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it works for your stuff. 
Yeah, I, I thank you. I mean, I, I feel the same that it's not like all the way manga and uh, and it, it works for the story, which is great. I mean, he has a great sense of like dynamic angles and action and all that stuff. And it's a great fit for something like Three Protectors, which is so reliant on good action. I wonder if he's kind of if he saw the first issue and is kind of like, OK, how can I kind of meld my style with this kind of find a nice middle ground? Yeah, that sounds right. And he does do American comics as well. So, you know, he has, it does feel like he kind of fused those two a little bit for what we're getting here. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, so I have I have two more things. Um, oh, I have four more things, but I can combine a couple of them. Um, where I'll do I'll do these two together because they're it. smaller. Uh, one, all the Kickstarter books are now shipped out. Um, last time we talked about this, I only had a couple of books left. Turned out I had three packages to send out. They're all sent out. Everything's in the bag. So it's like a weight off of my shoulders. Sure. Um, as we record this, it's still at the beginning of July. I sent them out um, last week. So, so yeah. So hopefully everyone has all of their books. If you do not have your book and you're listening to this, I uh, hit me up on social media or Kickstarter, and we'll get that taken care of. But... I think everyone should have it. Digital, physical, all should be there. Switzerland guy, hopefully your package is there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you listen to the pod, but uh, hopefully everyone's stuff is there. Um, the next thing is, I have a variant cover that was done by Daniel Crossier, mm-hmm. um, who actually did a whole bunch of Invader books, and that's how I discovered him. Um, he had a really cool cover for animals that I dug. I was like, oh, that's pretty mm-hmm. sick. And then I saw that Invader had like a series of them by this guy. I was mm-hmm. like... All right, let me get this guy's contact info. And, uh, you know, so I got a hold of him. We talked and he got the cover done. You know, uh, it took a couple of months, but there was no hurry because Wanderers 4 is not going to be worked on until I'd imagine the end of the year. I would say November, uh, November, December is I'll, I'll be working on Wanderers 4 again. Mm. And um, there's just so many things. Like, there's just so many projects. It sucks because. Wanderers 4 started with Drawtober last year, Mm -hmm. and it's still not done. But it's because, okay, I had to finish Second Shift 13, and then now I'm doing Paradise Hills, and that's taking longer. Mm -hmm. And then the next Drawtober event is coming, and there was two moves I could do. Finish Wanderers 4 for this year's Drawtober, just have it be a complete thing. Or do this other idea that can only be done in October, because it is kind of, it's a bit of a vanity project. It's just kind of like, hey, what do you think of this crazy idea? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, wow, that's it's cool enough to do in October, but I don't know that I would not do the other stories over it the rest of the year. It's like, yeah, yeah it's a cool idea, but it's definitely this point in time that it can get done. Mm-hmm. So it is what it is. Wanderers gets pushed back a little bit, not too long, you know, like another month. And then I'm going to do uh, organizations of the panels and everything, make it into the comic like I usually do get it flatted, flat some pages, and then once that stuff is done, then I can start on Wanderers 4. So, um, anyway, Daniel finished the cover. Uh, looks great. He sent it to me today. I paid to own the physical art as well. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be coming in the mail in the next couple of days, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. And I sent it to you right before the pod. I don't know if yeah. you had a chance to look at it on your phone. It looked badass, but it was like like I was literally looking at it, and then I dialed you on Facetime for us to oh, okay. do do the thing, right? So it looked it looks really fucking cool though. Daniel's Daniel's awesome, and I'm I'm happy to see him uh, him doing the stuff with you. So yeah, man, it, it's really cool. 
Tweet, tweet. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I was you got gonna, something else. Yeah, oh, I, I got a couple other things, right? And and this one actually melds nicely with what you were just talking about, which is this idea that that I don't know what it is unless you've told me like in passing and I just forgot what this October weird thing is. But I will say this. This this ties into sort of my third thing, if you want to call it a thing, which is animals did come out last week. And it's been great to hear the feedback. Uh, animals, so people got it through their local comic shops. I've gotten some feedback direct from people that told me, you know, hey, I love it. It's it's great. Like, it's it's scary. You know, like, you know, right, love the writing, love the art. So that's great to hear. When I was picking up my holds at Comic Book Hideout yesterday, uh, Funky was like, hey, we sold out. Uh, I'm going to have to oh, reorder right more. And he's like, yeah. And, and even for the reorders, we've got people ready to to check that out. And uh, and then actually the Glennis, the owner, came by. And on her way out, she was talking. She was like, oh, hey, your new book's really good. Like that kind of thing. So oh, that's awesome. It's, it's good to see that. You know, it's good to see that. And so I was telling Rachel this this morning. And she was like, that's wild because, like, this project was such a I've got a whim kind of project. You know, it started with this idea of like, oh, I kind of think I want to work on this. You know, it, it doesn't it didn't have the care of Kadoja and of Three Protectors. It was just something I sort of wanted to do and did it. And uh, so it's it's been fun to see the feedback because now that I've had three books out in the world, three different titles out in the world. You realize which ones are the ones with broader appeal and which ones aren't. You know, like I've been doing Kadoja forever, but Kadoja is a niche book. It's it's giant monsters. Three Protectors, when I wrote it, I thought it had the feel of like breakthrough crossover sci-fi to it. But so far, people are, you know, the, the people that read it love it, but it's also getting sort of niche treatment, right? It's Kung Fu. Um, I mean, if I tried to label it as a a space opera, which I might try going forward, maybe I get different, you know, vibes from that. But it's also a bit genre. So to have animals, which is not genre, it's just horror. I mean, that's the genre, but that's a pretty goddamn popular genre in comics right now. So to see the reception. Yeah. And and that's the thing. This is the first really broad appeal comic that I have made. And uh, it's cool to see it having broad appeal and having people getting back to me. But... I come back to this idea of it started as a whim. So this October project you're doing, it's a whim, but who knows what it could be, right? Like you just, you never know. All you can do is follow your muse and then see what happens from there. You got one more and I got one more, right? Yes. San Diego Comic-Con is upon us. Um, as of the recording of this, as the listening of this, it's already over. Um, mm-hmm. But there was a website where you can sign up and you can do these commissions, these pre-show commissions. And so I've been wanting to work on my speed. So I've been doing daily warmups. And with those warmups, my speed is increasing and it loosens me up. And did I talk about this shit already? Did I talk about this last episode? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, you're timing yourself. Yeah. So as I've been doing these these commissions, I've been doing warm-up sketches just to get loose, just to get better, timing myself and everything. Um, It's helping with my production. And so I think just moving forward, I will be doing these head sketches and uh, just loosening up. And, you know, so it's a great it's a great thing to do before you start your day as far as drawing goes. Mm-hmm. And you can complete something like that's kind of the bonus of it is you get this piece of art that you can sell 
potentially at the show or sell online, which I've done. Like I post, I've drawn a few things. I posted them online and like I did uh, spider punk and uh-huh. a day, uh, I posted it up and like a day later and someone's like, yeah, I'll buy it. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I get paid on Thursday. If you could hold it till Thursday, I will buy it from you. And then I was like, okay, well, I'll let you know if it's still around. It's kind of first come first serve. And he goes, okay, cool. If, if I get paid early, I'll, I'll contact you. I said, okay, cool. No problem. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I threw it on Instagram. Someone bought it straight away. Oh, okay. It, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to redraw this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just redrew it. I basically tried to recreate the exact same shot, mm-hmm. like same everything. Right. Just so yeah. it's like, this is the one you liked. So let me try to make it look exactly like that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I talked to him today. I said, Hey, the one, the first one got sold, but I, I redrew it, and I actually think this one looks a little bit better. Um, you know, let me know if you're still interested. He goes, yeah, you know, uh, I'll send you the money now or whatever. Okay, so, cool. Uh, yeah, so it was cool, man, just, like, nice. doing these warm-ups and just trying to loosen up. It's, like, turning into money as well. Mm-hmm. And then it just adds to the productivity. You know, doing those warm-ups have, has led to me drawing panels every single day. So it's mm-hmm. been four days since we recorded. I've got four panels. Nice. So I'm staying on task. I feel like I'm back on track again. I feel like my old self which is great. Um, so that's, that's great. You 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 are doing something that I am considering, and I might even just start it tomorrow to see how it goes. Which is, while I don't expect that I'm going to be able to sell these things on Instagram or anywhere, I was thinking of the idea of doing like a warm up sentence or two in the morning, like wake up with my coffee, do my damn wordle, play a couple things of Scrabble, and then before I get started with anything. Write a sentence, any sentence, or write two sentences, any sentence, you know, or, or the standard thing of commit to one. But if I want to write two or three, nobody's stopping me, that kind of thing, just to just to try to write like the best, coolest sentence that hits at something. And I bet that'll open up my brain to want to write better in all aspects. So it is a thought that I've had for a couple weeks now. Um, I just haven't done it. But uh, you're I don't know, you're sort of giving me motivation to give it a try tomorrow and see how it goes. Yeah, man, do it. And I mean, like, look, it's not like you need the motivation to do work as, no. as we've talked about on this episode, you've been crushing it this year. So, so kudos to you on that. But hey, if it inspires you to do even more work and, yeah. and try something out and, and like that inspires you to do even more than you already have. Awesome. Yeah. Or, or be better, right? It's, it's the idea of the, you know, when you draw to warm up, you're warming up your motor skills, when I believe that when you write to warm up, you are warming up your brain. So just like just like you wouldn't want to just put your gym shorts on and run onto a basketball court and hoist a jumper, I don't think it's a good idea, you know, now that I think about it, to just open up my laptop and start writing in my novel or start writing in my comic. Why not ease into that with the idea of just a nice little warm up, right? To try to get in the the literary mode, the flow mode, the say something in an interesting way mode and uh, and play with it from there. So it may not lead to more work because, you know, I'm, I'm doing a fair amount of work, but it could lead to me being better from the jump and, uh, and, and resulting in better things by the end of the day because you started in a better place. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe one of those sentences triggers something that creates a short story that you use later down the line. Exactly, exactly. Um, so let's let's go to my final thing, which is more of a thought and we're going to see where it goes because 
this is something that I'm just sort of starting to do right now. And by next week, it could be a memory or by next week, it could have blown into, you know, grown into something more. But one of the things I mentioned recently that I've, I've read Rick Rubin's book, which I highly recommend the creative act, and that's going to inspire a couple future topics, I think for episodes. But one of the things that he talks about is this idea of if you get a good idea. So he uses it in the terms of a song. Right. Let's say you get a good idea for a, a riff and a chorus. So you think of that riff and the chorus. What a lot of people will do is just let that riff and chorus sit and then try to build a song around it for the, over the next week or two. But his thing is there's a lot of energy in that initial idea. So his recommendation is to push that through and just turn it into a song right now. If you don't know all the parts, that's okay. Make up something, right? You can always come back and do it later. But if you form the entire song in its first sitting based off the energy of the initial idea, then that idea might be enough to carry you quite far. And I find myself in a similar place right now because I finished the first ep- uh, issue of Animals, and I, uh, of Animals, of, um, of the time travel comic. And I find myself wanting to write the second issue of it. Not not Kadoja Symphony of Madness number four, the second issue of the time travel comic. And um and that's where I'm gonna go. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna write where the heat is, I'm gonna see where this goes, and then if and when I lose momentum, I'll I'll sort of do it in passes, you know, like high level scene skeleton like I do a normal comic. And then if I lose energy at any one of those points, I could just jump off and go to Kadoja from there. But I at least want to carry this idea through as far as possible. And um, so I was thinking about this the other day and I was thinking how that's sort of in conflict with what I've told Gary specifically to do for D versus M. You know, that with each issue he does, take a break because better, you know, future you is going to be better. Um, so while I acknowledge that that tip of my own and it's something I adhere to, I do want to play with the idea right now and see what this yields. Maybe this result will yield something. And more importantly, I have this energy right now and I want to use that energy right where the heat is and see how far I can take this idea before I can feel the energy flagging and it's time for me to move back to something else. Let this sit for a little bit only to return to it later at a, at a future date. Very close, you know, like not going to wait long, even if I put it on the shelf. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> you know, and going back to the advice you gave Gary, it was like, you know, basically future Gary will be a redder, better writer than current Gary and uh, something along those lines. Right. Mm hmm. Um, and where my advice was, write it now if you feel like writing it now. And future you will determine if past you was up to snuff when it came to this. Absolutely. You know, and, and there'll be different views on it because, you know, this is the same as art. Like looking back at the first trade paperback of Second Shift, there's parts of it that I absolutely hate. There's parts of it that I absolutely love. I'm mm-hmm. like, <clears throat> I would not do that now. Mm-hmm. I would not think I would never have thought to do that now. Back then I did. And it was a really great idea. And I'm glad past Scott was there to draw it mm-hmm. because current Scott wouldn't have. So yeah. there might be something that past Gary or right now, current Gary right. would write that future Gary would go, huh, I would not have written it like that, you know, today, but I yep. enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So future Gary will be smarter than current Gary is, but his creativity might be somewhere else where yeah. his current 
you know, uh, uh, creativity is where it is. So totally. uh, you never know what today is going to yield compared to tomorrow. But the good news is you can have both. You know, if anyone's yeah. listened to this pod, you know that about me. I'm a cake and have it eat it to uh, have your cake and eat it too type of guy. Mm-hmm. So if there's a way to get it done to where you can create something now and then later on before you put it out into the world, you can go, hey, let me fine tune this. Let me refine this or let me scrap this all together because you know what? I, I don't like it and I don't yep. think it's good. So, but at least you have that option. Whereas if you didn't create it and tell the future, there is no option to look back at because it doesn't yep. exist. Yep, exactly, exactly. And so for me, it's all about just playing with the way I do stuff too and uh, seeing where that energy comes from. You know, this time travel comic was born out of a different kind of energy and me wanting to try something a very different way. And that energy is still here right now. So I'd be foolish to ignore that energy and then, you know, kind of misplace it somewhere else. And to your point, future Keith, you know, will be a better writer. He's he'll also be a better editor. And so if I see something I don't like, then I can just remove it and and keep those things that were those great raw moments that I caught. Um, And I'm glad I caught because, you know, future Keith may not write like current Keith. And that's bad. There may be some chances I take now that I won't, that I wouldn't take in the future. So yeah, it's a balance. And as part of any creative process, including yours, you who are listening, there's nothing wrong with experimenting with this kind of stuff. In fact, experimenting with the way you create things is one way to guarantee that it's going to stay fresh and it's going to keep you moving because you're not, you're not falling into storytelling ruts because you're not falling into life ruts. You're, you're mixing it up on your own and you're, you're paying close attention to what those results are, which you can then use later to see how you work best or see how working differently helps you. You know, there was a, um, <clears throat> a couple of things. One, it's like your like me and Ed, the way we co-create together when we're con- uh, like creating the script, we're, we're bouncing the ideas off of each other uh, in like real time. You know, it's just like, well, hey, you know, what do you think about this? And I'm like, hey, that's pretty good. Well, what do you think about this? Well, what if this happened instead? And he goes, yeah, that's good. But what if this happened, right? <clears throat> what if this happened? So it creates this nice back and forth. You're kind of doing that with yourself. It's like, it's, it, Keith, you're, you're playing with yourself. the audience you don't know what keith is saying because he's not in front of his microphone um so so that's one cool thing and i've actually had this experience on accident so i was creating an issue of the second shift i can't remember which issue it was i think it was i think it was nine actually um i had a fuck up with my ipad my ipad lost everything my there was some kind of error with my procreate program i could not recover anything it was like it reset so i had to wipe my ipad restart everything so i everything that was in my procreate that was in the process of being created was gone so um that was a huge huge hit i took so i had to go back and restart the thumbnails. I was not finished with the thumbnails for that issue, but I had some of the thumbnails done. So it was, you know, I think a week or two old since I had drawn them. So I had a rough idea how some of the pages look like. So I did my very best to recreate it. Later on, I found out that I actually did save a couple of the thumbnails. I took, um, screen caps of them or I just I created a JPEG and I sent it sent it to Ed because we would do that sometimes just to kind of keep each other apprised as to where we were in our stages so Ed used to send me um scripts like 
as he was working on them, he would get so far, he would send me the first 10 pages, you know, then he would send me the next 10 or whatever. And so I would do the same with him. If I was in the process of the thumbnails and I was done for the day, I would turn it into a JPEG and I would send it his way, or I would save it on my iPad after I had sent it to him. So after, after the fact, I redid the thumbnails. I started drawing the book. I finished drawing the book. I was going through my photos for some reason, found the original thumbnails, and I was like, holy shit, I kind of like some of these layouts better. But it was too late, you know, and that Mm -hmm. was a matter of, I think at that point, a month, a month or two maybe. No, 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 multiple months because I had actually drawn all the pages. So a few months had gone by, maybe five, five months went by at that point. And looking back at my thumbnails, seeing how I laid it out then compared to how I laid it out in the final book was kind of like, oh, shit, like a couple of these pages were actually better than what I ended up with. Mm-hmm. And a couple of them were shit. A couple of them were like, eh, I don't I didn't really like that. I didn't know. I didn't really know what I was going for in that moment. But mm-hmm. a couple of them were better. So, yeah, it's kind of like a live action version of what you're going to be doing in the future. Yeah, I, I mean, and I think. It goes back to that line of, you know, work is never finished, it's abandoned. Um, because if you leave if you leave anything to a creator, odds are they're going to continue to go back to something and go back to something and go back to something and continue to make adjustments on using f- current brain thinking it's going to be better. And um, there's no guarantee that's that's correct, George Lucas. Like there's, there's no guarantee that making these tweaks to things in the past is going to make it any better. And and we've had plenty of conversations in different contexts about that. Um, so, but, but I also think it's, it, it, you know, you, you are going to change, you're going to morph through time and, um, and you're going to go back and forth and bounce all around and, and do a lot of things on part of your creative journey, you know? So I, I think we've given a couple good examples here of, of how you can just sort of change up stuff and change yourself and change the way you're doing things. Um, And I wonder if we should just take a few more minutes here and make this the main topic, because I think we've kind of hit on the main topic by accident here. Um, And we're just going to rhyme off the dome with this because I think it's sort of in this lane of limitations. You know, that was a, an episode that I wanted to talk about next week. But, you know, maybe maybe the one maybe the idea we had for this week, maybe we're telling ourselves something, Scott. This is two episodes in a row. We've started with it and not done it. So maybe we just put this one on the shelf and decide to think of something else. You know, maybe uh, maybe or or, or, or maybe, maybe it keeps being the main topic and then we keep generating new on the fly topics <laughs> and then we never run out of topics it's it's existence is like a muse that makes us think of other topics as we are talking right it's amazing yeah yeah it, it is it's it's uh, it's serving as a as a great muse for us to to think of other stuff um but you know we're talking about switching up your method we're talking about changing the way you do stuff. And in a lot of ways, it does tie into this idea of removing limitations, removing creative limitations. So let's rethink all of our limitations that we have out there, you know, um, to, to go back to this idea of the time travel comic that started with a very outlandish question that I asked myself about story. There's this fundamental thing about story that I said, well, what if that isn't there? What does that look like? 
And then that led to one thing, which led to another thing, which led to another thing, which led to the creation of this comic, all from me just asking myself questions. And, and removing limitations, like, you can get creative with it. You can get creative with the limitations you move. You, you, like, you can, like, I, I wrote down a couple things here, and it's like, write something, write something you think is purposely bad. Just try it, right? Write something purposely incomplete. You know, like, see what that looks like. And uh, and something that I'm, I'm taking from Rick Rubin's book, it's the idea of consider the opposite. And, uh, and so that's something he talks about in the book of, I don't know, let's, let's uh, what do you want to do? We'll say a superhero comic, right? Like, actually, I don't even want to give an example. All I can say is, if, if you're doing something that's a story, consider what the exact opposite would do. Ask yourself what that would look like. Like, okay, let's let's do superheroes. Let's say there's a superhero book. Well, what if I wanted to have an issue where there wasn't a single superhero in it? What would that look like? Maybe that looks stupid. Maybe that sparks a great idea. But considering the opposites, what it does is it expands your brain. Wanting to purposely write something bad expands your brain. You know, it goes back to, you know, those those times when, oh, I don't know, Scott, I go to Las Vegas and I bet sports. And, and out of, out of 10 bets, I get, I get one right. And I think to myself, this is sort of amazing on its own. Cause in a reverse way, I kind of went nine and one. <laughs> it was, I mean, you can't, I'm not, can you like, I, I challenge you walk into a casino and get nine out of 10 bets wrong. I don't think you can do it. <laughs> it's pretty special. <laughs> right. So, so, you know, like removing limitations like that if you if you try to purposely write something bad or awkward or out of your wheelhouse or the complete reverse of what you're doing it may result in garbage but it but it may also spark you to something higher in the thing that you were doing anyway you know i i think me doing paradise hills is the opposite of what i normally do you know it's like i normally just draw comics that ed writes you know, it's just like, yeah, we brainstorm together, we think them through, and, you know, Ed will send over the script and I start doing them. You know, Paradise Hills was um, even different from Wanderers because Wanderers started as short stories in the Accidental Alien anthologies. I always had a plan to do a maxi series with it, and I always planned to write the series myself. But because it is a longer form story and I don't have that that much experience writing, I'm like, you know what? No, I do need Ed for this, you know? And as far as Paradise Hills goes, I already consulted him initially and going like, hey, I'm probably going to need your help. And we've bounced story ideas off of each other. Uh, but beyond that, it's kind of been mostly me doing mm -hmm. it. And I'm doing an aspect of the comics creating that I've never done before. You know, it's just like, okay, well, I'm going to do the composting. I'm going to do the cloud gathering and all of those things. I'm going to do the research and look up different meanings of things. And and so I'm stepping out of my comfort zone and, and tackling something I'm not used to doing. Mm -hmm. And it's wielding great results, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, it's just like, hey, I'm... I'm not a complete idiot. I can kind of figure this out. And like more than likely, I'm going to need to take, uh, you know, have Ed take a stab at it. Like give it a read through, see if there's something that you see here mm -hmm. that can be like bumped up. Or if you think it's good as is, that's that's even better, yeah. you know, and, and like, you know, but if there is something, it's just like, no, you know, I think we can do this with the script or whatever, then that's fine. You know, I'm not too proud to to take the advice. Um, so but the fact that I'm doing the story 
um, and doing the research and, and those things that I, I haven't done before, um, it's intriguing in itself. And it, it stimulates something else in my brain that has never been stimulated as far as creating comics goes because yeah. I've never done it. I've literally never yeah. done this part of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, can, I can give a very personal example on how it happens by you continuing to just ask these kind of questions. Again, I gave a few questions just now or a few examples, some of which were borrowed from Rick Rubin's book, right? But you can think of a lot of other things that just all relate into this. That's Pee Wee Herman, right? What's that? Rick Rubin? That's Pee Wee Herman? No, I don't think so. Oh, very, very good. It took me a second. I'm sorry, it took me a second. You're you're now you're now starting to fight a little bit of alcohol. But but those are those are just some examples of what we're talking about, right? We're talking about challenging yourself, finding a new way to do stuff, and it's not just to break out of a rut. Like you know, a lot of times people reserve these kind of techniques and things for when they're in a rut. Try it when you're not in one. Just try it, you know. And and if that becomes you know, maybe you tried as a warm-up exercise, like I was suggesting this morning about writing sentences, but, or, just, you know, this episode about writing sentences in the morning. I think mm -hmm. I think you can find the correct sentence there if you just sort of break down and then remove some words and then put back some words, and then that's the actual thing I was trying to say. Um, but I, when I started writing comics, I was like, okay, like, like you can look at my tables and you can see this. What, what did I table under? Kadoja. This is a giant monster thing. And I, Keith, write giant monster comics. Then I think of three protectors. I'm like, okay, I write what kind of, you know, what kind of comics do I write now? All right, well, I write like Saturday afternoon movie comics, right? I do three protectors and I do Kadoja. And then I get the idea for animals. And at the same time, I decide I want to write a novel and both of those things are horror. It's like, okay, well, what, what kind of writer am I now? Well, I'm a horror writer. You know, you're, um, you're a writer for the USA Network. <laughs> <laughs> like, I swear, all of those things have been on the USA Network. Hell yeah. You remember, yeah. That, you remember that network back in the day? That's it. Surprise. Uh, I do. No. Um, <laughs> but, but I think that then at some point you arrive at the final answer. I'm a writer. I'm a creator. Because yep. you can go even bigger than that. And once you, you know, if you define yourself in broad terms like that, that also helps. And for those of you out there that may be defining yourself by a more narrow term, just know that like it took me years to get to this journey and you sort of put little shackles on yourself without realizing it by trying to brand yourself, by trying to define yourself. And uh, there's a lot of value in trying to remove those things that you're placing on yourself and understanding that you may be a bigger factor and a broader factor than you yourself are giving, you know, taking credit for. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one thing beyond the hours of advice uh, we've given you guys and stories we've given you. I think the the one thing I think people, I hope people take away from this podcast is uh, question question everything when mm -hmm. in regards to um, the government. <laughs> I mean, and destroy everything if you're listening to uh, late stage hate breed records. <laughs> question everything regarding comics and creation you know it's just like look you guys know how we feel about the rules the rules are guidelines mm -hmm. they're not rules they're not rules rules is the wrong word for what they are yeah guidelines on how to make comics there are no rules in creating art comic books are art yes there are formats we can follow but they're formats yep. okay once you figure the format out then you can reconstruct the format 
you know, you can tell stories in your own way. It's just on, it's how you do it. Mm -hmm. And like we're talking about here is don't get stuck in one way on how to create comic books. Mm -hmm. Don't don't get stuck in one way how to create your paintings or writing your novels or short stories. Like tackle it from multiple ways, multiple angles, you know, like a lot of Keith's um, social media initially was branded Kadoja. That's Mm -hmm. who Keith was. Keith was Kadoja. That's who he was. And at some point he goes, Hey, I realized I'm not, just the writer of Kadoja, I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to create a different Instagram handle. I'm going to be Keith underscore decibel at the time now invader. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and luck, I had the benefit of comic books where branding is so prevalent in, in, in art, the art side of it, mm-hmm. you know, like you look at J Scott Campbell, J Scott Campbell is the brand, mm-hmm. you know, like beyond sexy women. It's not just Mary Jane. It's not just black cat that he's drawing. It's not the danger girls. Mm-hmm. He's all of those things. It's your mom, your mom. And guess what? She's outside your house. <laughs> <laughs> Cause she's gardening. Yeah, um, that's what your mom does. We get it. <laughs> you guys get it. Um, so, so anyway, uh, you know, hopefully that worked for you guys as far as the main topic goes. I think we covered that pretty, pretty soundly. Um, just change up the process. Don't get stuck in one way of doing it. You know, if you're in a writer's writer's block, an artist block, um, obviously you're going to need to get back on the horse. Um, and maybe it's changing up the way you think about your process and how you do your process. Um, you, you know, something else um, I forgot to mention was. In the process of doing all these head sketches and these commissions, the thing that I found myself really interested in while I was doing these things was changing location. So my normal setup, I have a recliner and I have an iPad. And so I sit there, I listen to TV slash watch TV while I'm drawing. Now, that's what I'm used to doing. Now, to do these these traditional head sketches, these trading cards, whatever it was, I need to sit at the table. I need more of a space. I have all Mm -hmm. my pens. I have all my markers, my erasers, my ink brush, inkwell, all this stuff. So sitting at the dining table changed how I normally do things. And it was, it was nice. It was nice to just change shit up. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting there without the TV, without watching anything and just kind of focusing and then after I was done with the the head sketches for the day, I was like, hey, I, I did my warm-up sketch. I did the trading cards. I did two trading cards today. Okay, well, now what? It's only noon. Oh, I feel like working on Paradise Hills. So instead of just getting back in my recliner and, and watching TV, it was a nice day out. I went out on our balcony. I sat in our, our balcony chairs, enjoyed the nice, nice air, the nice sun, mm-hmm. you know, a little shade. And I drew. I sat there with my dogs and I drew. And it was a great time. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing you might want to change beyond just your, you know, your routine on how you do things. Change where you're at as well. Okay. I think that can be a nice stimulation for your brain. Yeah, I, I, I agree totally. I love Stephen King's book on writing. But one of the things he talks about is having a writing desk. And for me, and look, it, it works differently for all of us. Stephen King writes more words a day on a bad day than I probably have written on my best day. So it's about what works for him versus what works for me. But for me, I feel like I can write anywhere. You know, if if you, you know, I mean, maybe not anywhere. You know, I'm not going to challenge myself by passing out face down in a toilet or getting thrown in jail, you know. But, hey, maybe I can write in those places, too. I don't know. Maybe some. I've drawn on a toilet before. Like face down, though? I mean, my face is down when I'm sitting. Usually it's not up. 
<laughs> so, uh, so yeah, anyway, I, I, and I think you make a good point that, that all these things can factor in, right? Like expanding, expanding the way you're thinking, changing the way you're thinking can do it. Changing location can do it. So many things can do it because it's about figuring out that creative vibe and seeing how those results work for you. And stimulate, stimulating your brain, you know? Yeah. And just when you get, you know, just like uh, uh, being in a rut, like the way you're doing it can get you in that rut just as much as anything else. So, mm-hmm. yeah, totally right on, man. Um, yeah. Hey, before we before we go to the bringing the bullshit side of it, um, longtime listener, uh, uh, Kickstarter backer Dan Bova sent over his book to me. Um, mm. I went by my P.O. box. He sent me a copy of Wendell the Werewolf, a funny, freaky, barely scary adventure. Mm. And it is written and doodled by Dan Bova. So, Dan, thank you so much for sending me this book. I really look forward to uh, getting in here. It's not too thick, um, but it's a nice, nice. Uh, I yeah. would say, digest size okay. of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm excited looking through this. So if you want your own copy, um, Dan wrote a little note here. Hey, Scott, uh, here's the book I mentioned on my question uh, to the pod. Love the show. Hope you dig it, Dan. And so if you want this book from Dan Bova, hit him up, uh, danbova at gmail.com. That is D-A-N-B-O-V-A at gmail.com. Um, so I'm not sure if this is sold anywhere else online, but uh, hit him up and uh, 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 check it out. So, Dan, I truly appreciate that. Hell yeah, man. Okay. Um, all right, man. Uh, so bring in the bullshit. Uh, you got something? Because I got some shit. I got a thing or two, but you... Look, I have no doubt that listeners listened to the podcast last week. And then Scott said, I got some bullshit I'm going to save for next week. And ever since then, they have literally probably been waiting to download this episode. Doing nothing else in life. Not eating. Not drinking. Mm-hmm. Just waiting. So give the people what they want. Let's start with your bullshit. I, I do have some because I have I have a problem, right? But uh, but let's <laughs> let's get to you first. Okay. Well, I also have a problem. Um, <laughs> so, all right. I was I was listening to uh, number one. So I've been on a hell of a, a eBay kick. So I was listening to the cartoonist kayfabe guys, and they were talking and showing the book uh, Tyrant by uh, uh, Bassett, Steve mm-hmm. Bassett. I've been wanting because this is not the first time they mentioned that book. I completely forgot to try to pick it up, and after they mentioned, I was like, "I got to get off my ass. I got to get it." Now, after it's been on that show, it's not really a great time to look these yeah, things. Yeah, it's like the old Wizard World picks. Right? Yes, like you're, yeah. you're you're paying premium for yeah, sure. Totally. You know, it's like when the MCU announces what their next movie is, and you try to buy that first appearance. It's like, exactly. oh, you're paying premium, and and did it's it. fine. I get it. I got some I, Kang books over here that I could talk about. <laughs> yeah, I got some Moon Knight books. I yeah, got I got a Moon bunch Knight, of books baby. I could talk to you That's about. That's what I this. remember, and, Moon Knight. <laughs> and so I continue to fall for it, Keith. Like, I know what's happening. I know yeah. I can wait a month or two, and then I can get the books way cheaper. Yeah. But I don't. <laughs> so, or, or you could wait for the movie to come out and get the books, like, way cheaper, right? Like, depending yeah. on how the movies receive. Like, those Jane Foster Thors did not age well. Oh, gosh, no. No, they did not. Uh, worst fifty bucks I ever spent. Um, okay, you can so get five I en- for it though. <laughs> Shit. Um, so I ended up getting uh, Tyrant number one, two, and three, and a preview Ashcan edition. Mm. So I went ham because when they were going through those yeah, books, those things are beautiful. Those things were just 
amazingly they were works of art you know it's like besets from a different time it's like you look at look i love modern creators i love all of that shit like to me it's just like yeah i would pay a nice a pretty penny for a lot of that original art mm-hmm. like this is different it's just mm-hmm. like it's it's so good it's so detailed it's like i think he's battling jeff darrow and you know art adams with the level of detail that he's got on these books mm. so i picked those up um i was going to mention this other book um by a very famous creator it was the first work he did but i'm not going to mention it because i realized there's another copy out there that i want to get and i do not need extra competition looking for this book mm. but let's just say i got a very rare a very rare book from one of my favorite creators um and then today i okay so every morning i get emails saying hey you know that's that uh thing you saved on ebay to look for well here's some copies of them oh hey here's some other stuff that might interest you mm-hmm. on the bottom of that email and guess what it was something that interested me it was <laughs> you are right you were correct, eBay. Here's more money. <laughs> you know me. So, yeah, they know me so well. It was the ultimate Sin City collection. It was literally every single issue of Sin City, all the one shots, everything. And the guy had it up for um, 79, 79 bucks or best offer. Mm-hmm. I got it for 65 For every so, Sin City ever made? Every single ever made. Holy so, it shit. works out to two dollars and fifty cents an issue after shipping that's unbelievable i mean i've got i've got that cool sin city uh graphic novel book uh you know is it that fat one that no no no. not not that one there's that but that that costs more than 79 bucks i bet you know like okay so look i got these cheap but i got the ones that are like the individual volumes that all sort of get together nicely. But I also think there's like an absolute version of Sin City that maybe that's, that's the one what Gary, Gary has. has. So, uh, so yeah, man, that's, that's a fucking, that's a great price. Yeah. When we, uh, when we stayed at Gary's house, I got us, you got the extra bedroom. I got his home office. Yeah. And, um, that's where he, I was cool with it. Cause I was like, I, I got all of his books at my disposal right here. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, um, yeah. And one was that, big fat yes. you know sin city book which i i looked through like one night like before mm-hmm. bed i was like oh everyone's knocked out uh i want to go to bed but i also this thing keeps staring at me yes so i'm gonna have to stare at it and yeah. uh yeah so i got the entire sin city collection for 65 bucks so i was really psyched about That's that amazing. um and then i got another thing wait go ahead you go first and i got I'll talk some about shit. the other yeah thing I, got I got some yeah. shit so let's let's do that so while i didn't dip into comics i dipped into goddamn near everything else so let's start with oh i don't know scott how about this stack of books that i oh, bought wow. while i was in arizona because i i mean i did get some comics with gary when i was there but it was just it was current books like fantastic four which i like dr Strange, some like run filler like. yeah a little like you like the current runs because i don't have those as part of my holds but i will go through this that i found these books either at used bookstores or um i killed some time at like a barnes and noble and stuff like that so um, I will just read them off real quick because I haven't read them all, but I'm going through them. So I got Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, which is a kind of wild. I, actually, I won't even explain it that much. I'm just going to say the names, right? Because we got a lot to talk about. I got The Night Circus and I got Paul Tremblay's Cabin at the End of the World. Those were all thrift store finds. So I think two of those things were a dollar and one of them was 50 cents, right? Oh, yeah. So I love that crap. And then... Um, 
because I'm on my time travel kick, I am surrounding myself with a whole lot of time travel stuff. So uh, I bought a book that I'm currently reading. And again, who knows how this is going to affect the compost heap, but I'm reading them because this is the particular kind of stuff that I want to try to get into. I'm reading a book right now called This Is How You Lose the Time War, which is interesting. Um, I'm only about 40 pages in, but it's interesting. And then I got this book, which is called How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe, which is wild. So they're definitely more out there and a little harder on the sci-fi scale as far as time travel goes. But um, but yeah, man, I grabbed all those and I've actually, uh, uh, one of them I read in like less than a day when I was in Arizona because I was just ramping down and then I'm pro- progressing my way through the others. So uh, so that was great. Um, yeah. What You know what's cool about that is it's um, a couple of things. One, it relates to composting, as you said, throwing it on the compost heap. Two, it also talks about uh, your flexible thinking and relates to you specifically doing something different than you normally do. So what, what you've talked about in a previous, uh, previous episodes was I don't want to read anything from that genre because I don't want it influencing how I write. Yeah. So this is going the complete opposite direction, which yeah. I think is cool. Yeah. That, that, that kind of... Um, goes i think that goes closer to the method on how i think of of researching things it's like well how did these other people do it Mm -hmm. and it's just like the more information you have the better things can go again this is how i think the more information you have the better the better for you to navigate where you want to go and what to stay away from the more you know the more you can steer clear well hey this book did it this way like i thought that was cool but Mm -hmm. what if i took it this way so you know it kind of navigates you differently yeah, I think it's about awareness, right? Like with with my first novel, which is a horror novel, to your point, I was petrified at reading anything horror because I didn't want I didn't want it to inform it. You know, I think I've given this example before, but it's worth giving again. That I went to see this cool one-off performance by the late great Chris Cornell as part of a radio station. And so what he did was he basically did like um, you know, like an MTV unplugged almost. And it was it was he would talk through, but it was like that meets he would he would intro every song for like minutes and so he would play a song and then he would talk about the process on it and he was talking about some song or some era of his life and how when he was writing this particular song there was some men at work song around that was popular with a saxophone and he's like and that goddamn saxophone kept sticking in my head and I had to make a conscious effort because I didn't want to replay somehow any element of that saxophone into one of my songs. It was, you know, who can it be now by men at work. Right. Right. So I I just thought that was interesting, but I think in a way, did someone, did someone yell like, Save it for the book tour. <laughs> well, that was the book tour, though, because he was talking about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I know. Um, so Just yeah. calling back to a previous episode. No, I know. Save it for the book tour is a is a, is a great line, right? But anyway, I, I think for in my case, I think that speaks to just trusting yourself to be aware of it enough to that you're not going to steal it, right? That you're not gonna you're that you're gonna know what things you want to do to just sort of broaden your perspective and get in the mood versus not stealing it and having that be part of your compost heap right so no i appreciate it and and i think part of that just speaks to the fact that also you know it goes back to some another thing in the rick rubin book right like uh, uh something that i liked to read in the book which i am taking to heart is you can control the creative process you can't control the commercial success 
you you can to some level you can put it out there and you can talk about it and you can hype it you can try to get people to talk about it but so much of commercial success depends on it just sort of catching lightning and however that goes right so you can control the creative thing i'm obsessed with the creative thing and i think that this thing serves the creative thing well so we'll see what happens oh yeah man but yeah but now let's talk about things that don't have shit to do with the creative thing well that would be me purchasing some jordan ones Oh, I, I have oh. more after this, too. You just wait. <laughs> yes. With, uh, with, with help from my boy. Yes. Keith Foster yes. over here. Yes. I that was, was, uh, that was my a buddy, delightful exchange. <laughs> my my buddy, uh, Ian and Cabo, uh, shout out Ian. Um, he lettered a couple of my books. He uh, sent me a link, and he goes, hey, man, um, got some Jordan 1s on the Nike, Nike app, Laker colorway. Don't know if you're interested. He knew I was interested, so he sent yeah. them to me. Yeah, and I'm hemming and hawing because they were 89 bucks. Normally 125. I'm like, shit. That's a you, nice you, little discount. You sent me that after I shared with you something that I will talk about in a minute on bringing the bullshit, a purchase that I made. And so you then launched into like, I don't know, I'm hemming and hawing over these things, these Jordan, these Jordans. You didn't say Jordan ones, you said Jordans. These yeah. Jordans in a Laker colorway, and I'm like, well, how much are they? Or you said how much they were, and I'm like. That price can't be right. Like, are those fake? Because that's a fake kind of price. You're like, no, they're real. They're on the Nike site. And then you send them to me and they're Jordan 1s in the Lakers colorway. And I'm like, Scott, you're talking to the wrong person. Like, if <laughs> if it was me, I'd buy three. I'd buy three. And you went, yeah. ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, I ain't fucking joking. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Like, Yeah, okay. no, I, I know you like, um, I know you, as soon as you find a shoe you like, you buy multiple versions of them. Ice baby. Because yeah. you don't know when they're going to uh, go away. Yeah. And then if you just love them, then why wouldn't you just keep rocking them? So My foot size keep, ain't keep changing. Through them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah, I think you were then like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I mean, I said it more nice than this, but I was like, I'm sorry. Am I, am I missing something about a class? Did I, I think I said, do you not like Jordan ones or something? Because a classic yeah, yeah. shoe in your favorite team's colorway feels, feels like a really good idea, you know, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. right? That was kind of, that was the line that I was like, yeah, he's right. Okay. I'm just buying these things. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, I, um, Ian had said, you know, free shipping. And I was like, shipping seven bucks. I already looked into it. And I'm like, but seven bucks is not too bad. He goes, no, if you, if you put in your Nike, like email, it, it's going to knock the shipping off for free. And I did. And it did. Hell so yeah. I was like, fuck yeah. All right. If okay. they, if they had those things in 76ers colors, I'd have bought three. I'm not kidding. Right. Like, like that's a great price. You get them forever. You can, you can keep those things on ice for six years and then bust them out. And it's like new. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yep. Don't do it for like 17 years because then they'll fall apart at the mall like mine did. <laughs> yeah, you can, no, for you, sure. These you are... can keep things on ice too long. Yeah, these things are getting worn for sure. Yeah. I don't think uh, I don't think my girlfriend would be too happy if I bought more shit that I was just collecting. Yeah, I think she's yeah. over that. <laughs> well, I think you, you said that to me and you said what? That like, I don't know if my girlfriend's going to be happy. And I'm like, look, if I got to pick a hill to die on, it's a hill that's made up of Jordan 1s in my favorite team's colorway. Yeah, I'll die on that hill. Um, all right, so line. so let me let me get into uh, my my last couple purchases here. So we're going to talk about records for a minute, and we're going to talk about how advertising works. Because every time I was on Instagram for a while, I would see this goddamn ad, and what happened was Impulse Records released a a session of John Coltrane's at the Village Green, I think it is, and uh, and so. I was like, oh, is that like new Coltrane or something like that? Like, that looks really interesting. And the ad that they do, 
starts with like a record on the turntable and then it zooms out and of course it's in like a hip you know record listening kind of room but more importantly scott the record is orange because limp impulse records their their logo is orange so it zooms out and it's like you can only get this exclusive orange color through impulse's site and i'm like nah nah no way no way and then what do i do over the next couple of days i find myself like does Amazon have it? So then I go on Amazon. <laughs> they got it. They got it in black vinyl. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no, no, I'm not going to get it. And then I open up like Instagram two days later. There's that same fucking ad. And I'm like, damn you, leave me alone. <laughs> right. And then eventually I'm like, oh, fuck it. I'm going to buy it. And then I ended up buying it and also throwing it. I actually had two more records on the pile, but I ended up just ending with one more record on the pile because I was like, I like saving on shipping. We all like saving on shipping and people know this. So if I can, if I have to pay nine bucks shipping, I might as well try to spread it out over a couple records. So I had more records in my bag, but ended up saying no, the Coltrane and this one other, those are the only two that I want to go for. And I think it's showing up in like two days or something like that. So nice. yeah, that reminds me, I do have one more purchase. Okay. So same exact <laughs> thing happened to me where you open up your Instagram. There's these ads, right? I open up Facebook. There are these ads. I guess I have been looking up too much Katsuhiro Otomo stuff. And um, I get these Akira ads that keep popping up. It's just like, yeah, yeah, I have my Akira stuff. I'm good. And they're like, well, guess what you don't have? This is a zip up Akira hoodie. <laughs> And guess what? It's on you do sale have right it. now. You do have it. <laughs> and I and I was just like, yeah, but I don't know. That's a lot. There's a lot going on on that that jacket. I don't think I need that jacket. It's yeah. it's you know, uh, it's Kaneda's jacket. Everyone knows the famous Kaneda jacket with the giant pill on the back and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nah, I don't need it. I don't. I, and I thought it was the jacket, right? So the ad keeps popping up on both of the sites, and I'm like, all right, what is this thing like? And I'm like, oh, it's a zip-up hoodie. I love fucking zip-up hoodies. Zip-up okay. hoodies are my shit. Like, yeah. it, when it's cold, that's the thing I like to wear. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, it's it's not that cold. Okay, I can leave it open. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's really cold. I can zip it up and I can throw the hood on, right? Like, yeah. there's options with it that I enjoy. And uh, I was like, well, it's a zip-up hoodie, though. Like, that's pretty good. <laughs> and it's it's half off. It's normally 100 bucks, but it's 50 Holy crap. And I'm like, how great is this? Yeah. <laughs> day three of this ad just punching me in the face. I'm like, fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you know what? Algorithm. <laughs> you got me again. <laughs> fine, <laughs> because, you bastard. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, now well, I do own it. Well, that's, uh, see, and, and I, I believe if I remember right, it was either this ad or an ad very similar where the ad first turned up. And I think I was, I turned to my wife and I'm like, the algorithms are getting better. Like there used to be a lot of swing and misses in the algorithm. Like Keith, I know you mm-hmm. like this. I'm like, you get right the fuck out of here. I don't like that. Shut up algorithm. You don't know shit. <laughs> you know? And now it's like, here's a John Coltrane record exclusive to the store on orange vinyl in our company's colors. And I'm like, Oh, Oh no. <laughs> all right. So anyway, uh, all right. So one more thing though, one more thing. So like, like Scott said, we are on the verge of San Diego Comic-Con. And because I cannot get into table at San Diego Comic-Con, I am in fact going to go as a professional and, and use my free professional badge. And I decided 
that the days I'm going to go, and we're going to have a little bit more of a conversation on this after we stop recording, but the days I'm going to go are Wednesday for preview night and Sunday. So for pre- so my logic for going for Wednesday for preview night is, number one, it's just best with my schedule. Number two, I, I offhandedly referred to this, I think last week maybe, that Super 7 released an MF Doom figure. And as luck would have it, as scumbags would have it, it sold out in minutes. And then those same scumbags, many of them, listed it on eBay for $100. Fuck that, right? So my logic was, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Let's, let's say in theory that Super 7 had a special stash of MF Doom figures that they were saving for San Diego Comic-Con. If that was true, then the best day to go to San Diego Comic-Con for me to go to the Super 7 booth would be the Wednesday on the off chance that they have an MF Doom figure there. That seems like the most rational course of action. There probably isn't one. It probably is, in fact, sold out all the way through. But... If, there, if this was going to be a thing, it would be a thing on Wednesday and not any other day. They would bring their initial stock and then be like, yeah, we brought some for San Diego. Shh, right? We kept lid under it, lid on it. So I was like, okay, that makes sense. And I think that makes sense. Yeah, I th- it does. I think, I think if you do new releases, you do want to have a stash that you're saving to sell in per- Especially yeah. if you know San Diego Comic Con is coming. Yeah. You, you don't want to go like... Hey, you know all the new shit we just released? We don't have any That's of it. That's awesome. Yeah, we don't but, have that. But yeah. here's this old shit that we've been peddling, so maybe yeah. buy some of that. It's exactly. just like, no, I, I think your logic is correct. Yeah, yeah. So win, lose, or draw, that was pretty good logic. But then I think, what was it, yesterday? No, it must have been the day before. I don't know, yesterday or the day before. Um, I, I I was like, just out of curiosity, let me look on eBay. And I looked on Oh, that eBay. was yesterday. Uh, okay, yesterday. So I look on eBay, and I'm like... So I look at the auctions, and what I see is the the lowest. There are, there are a bunch of current auctions, okay, and they're all around the same price. Except there's one that's right at that price. One basically two dollars more than all of the lowest prices there, and it's a buy it now or best offer. So I was like. Let me give an offer. First got rejected. Second got rejected. Third got rejected. Fourth, I got it. <laughs> right. So I ended up paying a a markup, which is a big percentage, but a small dollar amount. I mean, it's like it's a big percentage, but it's a fifteen dollar markup. Like I don't really feel like I need to hem and haul over fifteen dollars. You know, like I want this figure. I love this figure. It's a peace of mind thing. And so now I have it. I did, in fact, you know, say okay, let me do this and see. And then the offer went through. I'm still going to San Diego Comic-Con on um, on Wednesday. And if they have one, I'll buy another one at retail because then I'll have one to rock and one to stock, right? So we'll see how that goes. But at least now I can do it from the platform of, well, I already got my one figure and we'll go from there, right? So, you know, I, I sometimes getting stuff on eBay or getting stuff in shops is about getting this amazing deal. And sometimes it's about knowing enough about the system and yourself to get fleeced as little as possible while right. knowing you truly want it. Right. So, uh, so anyway, so yeah, that's, that thing will be showing up soon and then we'll see if, uh, I, I get it a friend at San Diego comic-con when I'm there next week. Nice. Yeah. And also like 15 bucks. Yeah. It sucks to pay over retail for it, but you never know. Like if, 
it might just go up in price later. You it know might. what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, and then if you want, if you do end up getting one at San Diego and if you just wanted to hold on to both of them, or if you just wanted to go, okay, well, let me just throw this back on eBay, yeah. you know, starting bid what I paid for it. Then yeah. at least you're, you know, you break even that way too, yeah. whatever if, you feel like doing. If obviously. I get a second one, I'm taking one of them out of the package and it's going right here on my fucking desk next to Cliff Burton, Bootsy Collins, the Slayer Devil and King Diamond, right? Like nice. that's a given. <laughs> That's a given, but I got to get a second one to do that because otherwise I'm just going to want to keep it carded just in case, you know, the price does sort of go through the roof because they're going to make more. They're going to do second versions and third versions and different colorways and different things he's wearing. And this will always be the first version. So anyway, to be continued, we'll see what happens. Right on, man. Um, Well, hey, this El Chongo Mexican-American style lager was fantastic. Mm. Um, I really enjoy this. I'm going to actually send Funky a line and thank him for this because I really did enjoy this. I would love to pick this up again. Mm-hmm. As far as uh, loggers go, this is an eight. Hell yeah, yeah. This Got is him. an eight. Yeah, that's great. That's well. Look, if you want it, you just got to tell me because all I have to do is walk one block over from Comic Book Hideout when I go get my weekly pulls. So uh, it's it's right there. So hey, man, that's awesome. Um, yeah. So mine, the Sonoran uh, White Chocolate Ale. I tell you what, man, I, I'm not ready to give it an eight. So I'll go with like a 7.75, right? Like it was it was quite good. It is a little novel because it's an ale that tastes like white chocolate. And it's, you know, like sometimes you have these things that say they're a white chocolate beer and it's 97% beer flavor with 3% white chocolate flavor. There were times where I thought I was like sipping white chocolate. Like it was kind of wow. wild. So I did like good. it. Yeah, it was it was good. Um, and yeah, I, I'm going to go with 7.75 and maybe when I listen back to this, I'll regret it, but that's what I'm going to hold to right now. And then, but I wasn't done, Scott. I then decided to uh, bust open this, this bottle of, um, Jack Daniels rye. It was like a little airplane bottle. It had a weird word on it that I couldn't quite read. I think it said Alyssa, but whatever. I don't know what that means. So I went ahead and had it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, so I had Jack Daniels rye and uh, hey, it was pretty good. I would give that like a seven, like really solid. Oh, yeah. I've I, that is the first rye. I was talking about rye bourbons today and that made me I was like looking through bourbon to have and I was like, wait a minute, I got this rye right here in a sampler size. So I tried it. So maybe that'll open the door to have me try a few more rye bourbons and go from there. But yeah, man, all, all together, pretty good stuff. Oh, yeah. All right, guys, um, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, oh, no, let's do our social medias first. So you can find me at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T, on Twitter, Instagram, and threads, uh, and Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. If you want to pick up my books, go to AccidentalAliens.com. You can get Second Shift, Wanders of Melisanda, the Accidental Alien Anthologies, Tales from the Mothership. All of those books are at AccidentalAliens.com. Yeah, and for me, I have uh, the Instagram handle of Keith underscore Invader. I have three books that I'm sharing stuff from right now. So yeah, now's a great time to follow me there and check out the art I'm sharing. The I have the upcoming Kadoja comic uh, interiors there that I'm sharing every now and then. I've got three protectors, and of course, I'm sharing animals when I can. Animals is uh, animals themselves get a contagious virus that makes them want to kill people to murder them. Of course, Kadoja is giant monsters meet HP Lovecraft. Three protectors is Kung Fu in space. All three of those books are available at my website, KeithRFoster.com. And uh, yeah, all of them are in stock at the moment. So grab them while you can and we'll see what goes well. 
if if you don't, then they be gone soon. Yeah, and the accidental alien anthologies, those are almost sold out. Um, the 2019, I believe, is going to be sold out. We only have, I think, less than a dozen copies left. So um, on the website, I'm actually going to have to mark, tell my webmaster to uh, take those off so you can go only get that digital. So, yeah, these things have a finite life to them. They are not going to be around forever. So you definitely got to pick those up while you can. Um, and if you enjoyed this episode and you want to talk to us about certain things we talked about, um, you can contact us at, at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you have questions, comments, concerns, you have an idea for uh, an episode for us to do, um, you know, if you want to send us your books, you can send them digitally to us. Um, or you could send them physically like Dan Bova did, which is freaking awesome. Um, you can shoot them over to Scott Lost at P.O. Box 881551, San Diego, California, 92168. Um, yeah, so I check my P.O. Box once a month. So shoot them over that way and uh, we'll talk about them on the air. So just give you guys a shout out. And, uh, you know, we always appreciate that. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, so. Let's talk about one of my favorite hip-hop lines ever. It's by the aptly named Cool Keith of the Ultramagnetic MCs, where he refers to getting a 235 on a rhyme test. Right, now, I haven't taken a rhyme test in a while, but I know that a 235 is a really good score on a rhyme test. It's out of 100. That's what makes it crazy, right? <laughs> you you probably, you're, you're out there listening, I'm not sure you can score a 235 on a rhyme test. But what you can do is you can give the Making Comics podcast five stars. You can score us five stars on your podcast test. And let's be clear. There's really only one score to give us. It's five. Just do that. So five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Reviews are great. Words are even better. Like Scott mentioned so well a week or two ago. They, they not only help the algorithm, we like reading them. We do like, you know, like five stars is great and we love that and we appreciate it. But when we see words, that's like, oh, wow, this is this is the thing that like they like about it. Or, you know, this it just it's that nice little bit of feedback that we get um, and we love it. So so we encourage you take take a minute, take two, throw us five stars and then uh, and then put some words behind it. if you can. Absolutely. Hey, and if you want to do some fan art of our characters, shoot them our way. Put them on your social media. Send them to the Gmail. Say, hey, I drew Second Shift, Wanderers, Kadoja, Three Protectors. Send over art. I'll stick it in the book. I redrew an interior from animals. (laughs) Boy, would I love that. That'd be great. Read animals and then redraw something from the interior. Have a good time, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, shoot it over to the the Gmail. That'll be awesome. And uh, yeah, if if that does happen, I, I legitimately will stick it in the back of the issues. Um, you know, show it off to the world. All Hell that yeah. Stuff. All right, man. I think we're reaching the end. Oh, I think we covered everything. We got the beers. We got the podcast. We got the take home stuff yeah. there. So, and, the, uh, and the glorious episode that never was still hangs out like the Holy yes. Grail, like just, just ahead of us in the road. And maybe someday we'll talk about that topic and someday we won't. And, and we'll look down in the sand and there will only be one set of footsteps. And it was this topic carrying us the whole way. (laughs) For an entire lifetime of podcasts. We'll see you next week. Yay, yay.